Welcome to Design Your Destiny, your podcast for tapping into the power of your subconscious mind. In this next few minutes, allow me to show you how to tap into that power so that you can create success with ease, form deeper connections, and have greater presence in your relationships, and most importantly, find peace within yourself. My name is Penny Chason, and I'm your host. Hey, hey, joyful souls, it is Penny, and today I am back with a special guest. Most of you know I'm a little bit into the woo, and recently, if you are on my email list, you would know I've been outed as working with a shaman, and it's an interesting journey to be on a spiritual journey, and it's one of awareness and managing your attention and basically learning to live in the present moment, to be aware of energies, and to understand that there are multiple ways to influence our thinking, our energy, who we are, and what we put out into the world, because all of that affects our receiving and our experience. So today, I want to introduce you to Sand Symes. She is a modern medicine woman a shamanic practitioner, a seer, a transformational coach, and an entrepreneur. She's the pioneer of ancestral healing journeys, where she facilitates the healing of the wounds that we carry from our ancestral line. And she's a conduit for the feminine energies of the sovereign, the sage, and the radical visionary. So basically, she acts as a bridge between the spiritual and the physical realms And her mission is to accelerate the return of the divine feminine. And, you know, I've spoken of that before, and I know that you're interested in it. So I'm excited to bring her here because her work centers on supporting women to embody the medicines and the wisdom, which is called for in these challenging times. So, Sand, thank you so much for being a guest. And that's a wonderful intro, but... You know, the story goes so much deeper than this. And you and I spent some time talking about it the other day. And I know there are people in my audience who will resonate with your experience, your initial awareness in your journey. So welcome. And please, I would love for you to share a little bit more about who you are. (laughs) Thanks, Penny. Um, So, so grateful to be here. And um, we're very privileged to be part of your community in this way, truly. I guess my journey started to start at the very beginning was when I was born, I was able to see what I now know as the non-altered reality, which is the non-3D reality. If the 3D reality, the three-dimensional reality is everything that we see, know, feel, touch in our five senses, I was able to have, I have a gift that could see beyond that, had a sixth sense that some of us call a sixth sense, but I could see energy. So sometimes that would be the shape of people. Sometimes it would be animals, but more often than not as a child, it was energies and shapes and colors. But I thought everybody could see the world in that way. I was a little girl, so I had no idea that that wasn't the same reality for others. And at the age of seven, I was playing in the street with a really dear friend of mine, both of us, two seven-year-old little girls. 
And as we were playing in the sheets, we were playing actually through the sheets. It was washing day. So we were running through the sheets and this little boy joined us and we were all laughing and giggling. And, you know, I had a great time for about 10, 15 minutes just laughing. We got called into her house for, for tea and we went in. So I said, as a seven-year-old little girl, who was that little boy? We were just, you know, I've not seen him before. And my friend was like, what little boy? And I said, the little boy who was playing with us, what little boy? And in my seven-year-old indignation, I described him. I said, the little boy who had the gray sweater on, the little gray trousers. And then the mother, who obviously didn't understand, and I certainly didn't understand the gifts that I was seeing at that time, that was what her son was wearing the day that he, he passed. So she thought I'd gone through her personal belongings So she dragged me to my parents' house and kind of accused me of that. I got a beating from my dad um, for going through somebody else's personal things. And all of that gift, if you like, got shut down, which I now understand years later with the teachers that I've had, certainly around the shamanic practices, is if you are in danger in any shape or form, then the five-dimensional world, certainly spirit guides and ancestors, which I hadn't realized then were visiting me, they will go away. If you are in danger, that will get shut down. And it did. So I just carried on with life until when I was 33 years old in 1996, I started to have the visitations then from a group of beings that I now know to be the collective ancestors, not just my ancestors, but but a huge part of our collective humanity's ancestors. And they visited me every night for five years, like every night started off with one, then there were three, then there were eight, then there were 12, then there were 30, then there was 100, and then there were thousands. But I couldn't hear them. And I, (laughs) in total innocence and arrogance at the same time, I blamed them for not being able to hear them. And I said, if you're here, why are you here if I can't hear you? So I would throw shoes at them or cushions or pillows off my bed because I got so frustrated that I couldn't hear them. And then that started my journey, finding teachers who could really help me understand what I was seeing. My first point of entry was the church. Um, And I knocked on the door of the church, literally, and said, you know, Father O'Reilly, I'm I'm having these visitations. What does it mean? And how I described them, he beautifully and very gorgeously, he kind of ushered me to my first teacher, who was a teacher that taught both paganism and working with the 5D Ascended Masters. So that was my first entry point in my first teacher that basically validated me. And and for any one of our listeners, if you've ever had an experience like I've had, it doesn't have to be for five years. It doesn't even have to be that grand of an experience, but a an experience with the cosmic world, anything that's not in this 3D reality, to be validated by somebody is absolutely gold to you at the time because you honestly do. There's a, there is a voice in your head that you think you're going crazy. You think you're imagining it. Um, you're making it up. Um, all of the stories, all of that egoic mind that wants to shut you down to, to not have this gift be on this earth at this time. So for any of your listeners, Penny, if you know the validation is absolutely important. So when anybody shares with me their experiences, of which there are millions of our souls on this planet have experiences like this, never to not invalidate anybody's experience. So, and I know you as obviously with your community, you validate your community in a beautiful way, Penny. I know you do. So that was my first validation. And from that, 
I was able to grow in confidence. And as I grew in confidence, believe it, and, and then started doing my work and in the shamanic practices, we call it the hollow bone. And it literally is hollowing yourself out. And we can say that in so many different ways. It can be getting out of my own way, understanding that my thoughts are not my thoughts, understanding my behaviors from intergenerational trauma. My thoughts are part of that intergenerational trauma, childhood messaging. So as I started to work the magic, and I will also at the time I was a social worker. So I'd seen in my professional life, the cycles of abuse and misuse of understanding of how we could be in harmony and in balance in ourselves and in our own family units. So as that was happening, my own seeing started to really come powerfully into my space. Being started to visit me. My I know, and again, was validating my vibrational frequency started to shift as I started to do the work, the research and sit with teachers, the medicine I carried more than anything else was the medicine of earnestness. I was so earnest in my, it was beyond curious. I was, there was an earnestness and there was, um, it, it was like an intensity and that intensity, which I came to understand later, the intensity was I couldn't stop doing what I was doing, even if I tried. And in that kind of intensity, that that what I understand now is is the the fabric of our legacy here, and if we can find the teachers, find the people that can validate us, and we can do the work with them, and really look into our subconscious and where all of that really comes from, from our own ancestral lines. I had to do a lot of clearing out of my ancestral lines, and then to move into very powerfully and beautifully into a shamanic practicing world which like what does that mean as a shamanic practitioner it means that i my my religion so to speak my faith my trust is in that everything is interconnected everything is interconnected that that the web of life is everything for some of your listeners listeners might might understand this one is for not just this lifetime but for all lifetimes that we've had and we've walked on this earth and in this bloodline, while we're here, we have ancestors that walked on this earth before us. And they also have had an, an affection and an infection around our very being, an affection that we wouldn't be here without them. And an infection, perhaps, where some of the wounds and that, in, uh, that intergenerational trauma has been passed down from generation to generation. So doing the clearing out of the hollow bone allowed more and more of spirit, more and more of the five multidimensional and beyond outside of this 3D dimension to be able to presence themselves to me. And then I could start to hear them. And they now are very clear to me. And I know when we start a journey like this, sometimes it's, did I just make that up? Did, was that in my head? Was that in my imagination? And what I understand again now, again, wherever any of your listeners are in their journey, imagination is the very fabric of our intuition. We need our imagination to ignite and amplify our intuition because we don't know our intuition or we don't quite believe it or trust it, or even for many of us, not even know that it are aware of it. So we use and heavily lean into our imagination, which is the living cell to come into our intuition and that's been my journey of sitting with teachers, medicine men, medicine people, shamans, 
in the rainforest in Ecuador, in the jungles of Peru, in the mountains of India, in Fiji, uh, South Africa, all those different places. And what I didn't realize, and, and with this piece, is I didn't realize I was I was seeking validation. And that external validation was really, really important in those first you know, decade of that journey. Now, I don't need that same external validation because enough is, is the intuition, my knowing. My, I live in a place of absolute, absolute knowing of a deeper truth that I carry. But that's been my journey. I love that because, you know, there's so much that you said that I would love to dive into, and we would probably have to come back two or three times to get into it. But the last thing that you said about the knowing, like once you know, and you're connected with that knowing, everything changes. Yeah. You know, I I let go of my anesthesia certification this year. Because I now know what I'm here to do. Like, there's no question. Mm-hmm. You won't find me back in an OR in anywhere. And for some of my audience, I know that a lot of people in my audience have been through the same coaching program that I've been through with Jim Fortin and his brother-in-law, Don Javier, is the mm-hmm. shaman that I work with. And, you know, this is on audio you can't see. But if you could see me right now, I'm holding up my pinky and I'm pointing to the tip of my pinky finger. And Don Javier recently told me that like, this is the totality of our physicality could fit in the tip of our pinky finger. Like we think we know ourselves, but that's all that we know about ourselves until we let go of everything else. We clear out all of the past. We clear out all of the junk that we carry, the emotions, the feelings, the beliefs that don't serve us. And we just simply step into being and allow that to come through us. Now, you said something when you first started that really just lit something off inside of me. And that was that the priest basically introduced you into paganism and something that for a lot of my life I butted up against was a knowing inside of me, if you will. Sometimes I would think people would probably think I'm crazy. However, I have always known that religion is man-made and that the teachings of Christ, as it were, were about more than what was in the New Testament or even the Old Testament that prophesied it, that it it was about a way of living, not about believing in an entity. Yeah. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about that? I know it wasn't where we intended to go, but I think a lot of people have conflict around this. You know, it's so beautiful in um, in my shamanic practices that I've been part of for nearly two decades, well, over two decades now. It's very often commented that Jesus was a shaman <laughs> because if a shaman is able to see the absolute truth of another being, like really see their soul, really see them outside of all of the architecture that we carry of our personality and um, who we think we are. And as a shaman can go into the dark with you, into the shadow parts with you and lead you to the light, then Jesus by very definition was a shaman. And the healing part of that, you know, Jesus to me was was a prophet. And um, the religion, how you say it was a man-made, 
it was a man-made, you know, institution and absolutely gender biased to man-made. You know, it was the men of those times that I agree with you, Penny, was built as an institution for control. How can we control the masses to be able to have them to buy into something that suits us in that way? And as a woman that has roots in obviously in, in England and in, in in Ireland and in Scotland and in Wales. So don't forget my ancestors over in the Irish realm there and the, the paganism and the Celtic of my own ancestors. But the English part of me, you know, through the church, through the, the Church of England, we have, you know, literally raped and pillaged our way around the, the world, taking things that we wanted like countries and lives and completely abolished somebody else's way of believing and connecting with the divine. And we have many different words for the divine. Some call it God, some call it Allah, Buddha, the great divine mother, um, higher self, all of those different ways. You know, Pachamama is a word that is used an awful lot in shamanistic practices. And Pachamama is a Quechua word from the South Americas, which really translates, most people think it means just Mother Earth, but it's Mother Earth, Father Sky, all of time and all of space and beyond. Well, if that isn't God, I don't know what is. <laughs> so it's all of our religions, the core of it, and I'll say this on behalf of religion, the heart of it, the core of it, in the tr deepest truth of it, is the same in every single religion. And that is somewhere you'll find a saying or a, a testament or a testimony somewhere of saying all is one and there is no separation. And in shamanic practices, we really walk on this earth that we know that we are interconnected, not just with the earth, but with the stars and the wind, each other. You know, the Ho'oponopono prayer is a beautiful prayer that it also invites, I'm sorry to every individual and being that we've ever hurt in this lifetime and every other lifetime. And thank you for giving me another opportunity of being on this earth to be here and and heal some of these wounds that I once carried or my ancestors carried in lifetimes. And then the gifts of that, and in every religion, there is gifts. You know, they're not the gifts of just heaven. It's not one religion fits all. And I, I truly believe that um, religion, if it merged with spirituality in the total color of, of, of the prism it's light and then light when it hits that prism. And I think you I think you were saying this. I don't know if it was you, Penny, somebody was saying this just recently. When the light hits the prism and it goes all over the, you know, in a space, it compounds itself in different colors and, and destinies and legacies. And, and that is us. We're a beam of God's light, having an expression of God on this earth, as Allah on this earth, as Buddha on this earth. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> Someone recently, I say recently, it's been months ago now, posted on social media, like, you know, what do we need more of on this earth? And I'm like, absolute, unconditional love for everyone. And of course, someone came in and commented like, well, what about the murderer or the pedophile? Mm -hmm. I said, it's not the acts that we're supposed to like or love, but the being and to have compassion and understanding that they're in their place for whatever reason they're in that place because we're all a part of one another. 
and we're all a part of every one thing. And, you know, kind of, you know, I know that's a little bit kind of a, a heavy segue, but it really brings me to the next point. The world is crazy right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of people, groups, ideologies attempting to exert power and control. And, you know, I've had a few calls this week where the conversations I've had with the people, they're coming to me because they just don't even know what to do at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's affecting them mentally, emotionally, their physical health in terms of they're not sleeping well, they're feeling irritable, they're snapping at people. We all bring something unique to this. And you and I both know that our purpose here as light workers, if you will, healers, is to facilitate the evolution of people, to lift everyone up the best that we can. How do you help people navigate their life so that they can heal whatever needs healing to be better right now? And and I would really love it if you would specifically speak upon the ancestral wounds. You and I talked about that the other day, and I find it very intriguing. Ooh, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, Let me see if I can break it down. Um, For me, I think one of the biggest, my, my entry point, and this is something that I teach, and this is an invitation I have again to your community, Penny, with these questions is when we're triggered or activated, you know, something something is is bothering us, then that's a moment of an opportunity to start to look at what is it that's bothering me? Why does this situation bother me? Why do do some of us go down so heavy with it and others don't? And we're in an inquiry. So there's an opportunity of inquiry here. And certainly in, in the shamanic practices, the place I always would offer anybody to start first is go high. Don't go down, go high. And the reason I'm saying that is, is again, in, in, in my, the way I would say that is go to the eagle medicine first, meaning if you go high to eagle medicine, then you get a picture, you get a, a bigger snapshot of the picture of what's really going on. When we can go to the visionary, we can go up first, and then we, t- we can take a snapshot of that so we can look over our life in a decade or in the last 20 years, or we, we just go high so we can see further. And then it gives us something that we know that we call perspective. So if we go high first, and then we start to bring in the medicines of perspective, it alleviates immediately some of the immediate suffering, you know, and, and it doesn't take long to do that. So, so if we stay in the why, and it's like, why does this happen? Why, if we stay in the why without going high, so the why has to meet the high. If we stay in the why and we go low, and let's, you know, the bird, of, which is the pigeon, and it's just pecking up on, on the street, and it's like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? That bird is on the ground, it's pecking, and it's like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to this? And the world is bad. It hasn't got a perspective of a wider perspective or a higher perspective. It just believes in its own its own limited beliefs and its limited vision at that point. So it's that's the place I, I would invite all, all of your listeners to start first. That let me go high, get that higher perspective. And another way of saying this is go to the penthouse of your own life. 
you know, go to the vision. What is your, what, you know, your vision of your life? You stay in your lane. There's all these metaphors that we have that we can offer. And if we stay in our lane of what's true to us, therefore, by doing that, we also put in boundaries. And boundaries are really, really important. And, and I learned and still I'm learning about boundaries. Boundaries are a infrastructure that is beautifully demonstrated um, in this analogy with if we put some seeds into the earth and those seeds are a a rose tree and the rose tree is a rambling rose tree that rose cannot be everything that she needs to be in fullest of bloom without a trestle to hold her as she starts to grow the trestle and the and the structure there it's the same in it which is kind of like a boundary it's the same in our life we need structure in our life so that we can be everything we're meant to be and we don't we don't, if the rose tree didn't have her trestle, I'll, I'll bring my metaphors together in a second. If we didn't have a trestle for the rose tree to climb, her head would go onto the ground, you know, as soon as she got, and all that she would have an experience of her life is it's dirt and that's it. That would be her experience of life. The same for a human being. If we stay in the in that low vibrational frequency, and in the pecking of why does this happen to me? Why, why, why? And we don't do our work. We don't bring in structure and we don't bring in, I'll come back to this in a second. We don't bring in people who've gone ahead of us, like a teacher or a mentor or a guide. And we think we can figure this all out by ourselves. We're, we're going to be in a lot of suffering for a long time. So, so if we go high and the eagle can go go high, which is beautiful, gets and it gets the whole infrastructure of, wow, this is what's really happening. So our why, the eagle medicine, for most of us is, what is your vision for this world? Really, what is your vision for this world? Eagle medicine just means, what is your vision for this world? And if you're a stand for that, and you don't, and you get the boundaries coming, it's like, this is what I believe, I believe that everybody gets an opportunity. I believe that um, regardless of color, class, or, or, or limitations in any shape or form, that everybody deserves on this earth to be happy, whole, and content with their life. If that's that's a vision for this world, if that's a vision for you and your family, then when something hits hard, stay in your lane. Stay believing that there are good things that are happening on this planet as well. There are beautiful people on this planet that are doing beautiful, powerful work. It just doesn't get into the newspapers or on the in, into the TV. So go with your eagle medicine high to what you believe in your vision for this earth. Have a trestle, which are your boundaries. Don't come out of your own lane. Don't let somebody else tell you that the world is bad, that we live in a plane of duality. And for every bad thing that's happening, there are 10 amazing, beautiful things that are happening. So stay in that, fill yourself up with your own eagle medicine and your vision for this world. And then we can heal and we can be with the more discomfort and more difficult conversations and difficult places that are happening in our world right now. What I've just described in all those different metaphors is the journey of our mental and our emotional health which also affects our physical health and our spiritual health. And I'll end with this, which is a, a real deep invitation to any one of us. When I didn't have a spiritual practice, Penny, I was at everybody's beck and call. I was tumbleweed. I wasn't grounded. I, somebody would tell me this and I believed that. And somebody would tell me something, I would believe that. 
And I, I didn't have any boundaries. I believed anything that somebody of so-called authority would tell me, and I believed them until I started my own practice and got to my own truth. And in that spiritual practice, I cannot get out of bed in the morning without having my spiritual practices. And when I started my meditations and spiritual practices, I would forget sometimes because it's like a it's like a muscle, isn't it? And I would I would start and I'd do it for three weeks and then I'd fall off the wagon. And each time I didn't do my practices, when life came in with an opportunity of change, basically meaning when life came in and, and went in a direction I wasn't prepared for, thought it was going or wanted, then that spiritual practice, when I didn't do it, I was like the tail wagging the dog. I was tumbleweed. I, I got smashed. I got pivoted. I, I just got taken everywhere. And it was painful until I realized the common denominator was, do your spiritual practice and in the morning and you can deal better with life when it throws you a curveball. Does it mean you're always going to be happy, you know, happy, clappy all the time? No, but I can deal with the challenges of life because of a consistent, regular practice that um, brings me grounded. And then I can just deal so much better with life. Yeah. And to share some of the teachings that I've received is that the one thing that we came here with that no one can ever take from us is our authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's our ability to be who we are. And at a young age, yours was squashed, but you reconnected with it. And we can all reconnect with it. And for me, that practice began with silence to be able to reconnect on that plane. And, you know, for those of you who are listening, I mean, she's absolutely right. This is a practice. It's not something that you do it for a few weeks and then, you know, maybe you're not noticing anything or you fall out of the habit and you just kind of beat yourself up and say, oh, this isn't for me. I can't do it. No, I started down this road when I was 47, actually before then, but I did not recognize the road that I was on. I can look back now and I'm like, oh, that's what all of these things were lining up in my life for. I just didn't have the awareness, which I have mentioned to you all so many times, I'm not going to go into awareness. I could hijack the whole rest of the conversation, but it takes practice. And we have a lifetime of indoctrination, beliefs, things that aren't ours to shuck away, to really be able to embody this. Sam, this has been a great conversation and it's a very complimentary conversation because I help people break loose and release the things that are subconscious that they really can't put their finger on. But you take women through a journey of embodying these practices of, you know, making it a part of life. Why don't you share with everyone, you know, what it is that you do in terms of facilitating this work for others and how they can connect with you. Because I know that you and I could keep talking for another hour without <laughs> any problem. <laughs> and I realized you, you, in the last question you asked, you asked me to bring in the ancestors and I didn't. So I'm going to bring the ancestors in and wrap it around this question. So as a social worker for almost two decades, I'm super, super grounded in understanding where our childhood messages come from. Like you said, the indoctrination 
as a child coming onto onto this earth and the parents or caregivers or the primary adults that are around us are super, super influential in our life. And so with the childhood messages in our subconscious, and I know, Penny, you work very much with the subconscious, those subconscious thoughts are still kind of running the show, even when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond, until we start addressing those. So what I've been able to do is craft the 35 years I've had of working with women Women from women in prison, women, um, teenage pregnancies, self-harm, mental health or illness and, and, and uh, physical illness, hospitals, right across the board, board directors, um, you know, blue collar workers, white collar workers, all the way through. And what I've been able to see and craft is and through my own shamanic practices is the power of breath. And the power of breath, and that's in every, we're going back to religion, breath is in every single religious um, configuration and, and all our spiritual um, our, our tribes, communities. The power of breath can get into all those places inside of the physical body that we hold a trauma. And I know that trauma is held by the body and transformation is also in the body. So talk therapy with therapists is really, really important for a lot of people, for a lot of us, and myself included. I've also been in therapy and talk therapy just to have somebody hear our stories. It's very, very, very important. And then if that trauma is still in the body in some shape or form, through breath work, I've been able to call in the ancestors on behalf of the people that I work with, with their permission, of course, and work with the ancestral intergenerational trauma all the way, you know, way beyond and then past lifetimes is, you know, will come in whatever our, that is still trapped in our body in some shape or form to release that so that the body can then really deeply exhale. And then the visioning, and it's kind of like in three parts, it's breath work, ancestors and vision. So it's super simple. It's like, what is your vision? What's your North Star for the, you know, for your life? And if we know what the North Star is, how are we going to get there? And what do we know about ourselves that's going to get in the way? Where are our saboteurs? Where's our procrastinator? Where's the critical mother, father? So what I do is take the groups of women that I work with back, yes, to the, the childhood messages, but that's the start. And then from that, it's like, so if that's your childhood messages, let's look at your grandparents who pass the same messages down to your parents. And let's go back to your great grandparents. And then let's go beyond that. And that's all done through breath work. So we don't have to really think about it. We need to, to have the thinking mind to understand, wow, this is why, you know, this is why I, I show up in relationships because my primary carers this was the model of relationship that I was, you know, I was susceptible to as a child. Oh, mum shouts or, or dad shouts. Mum doesn't say anything. She bangs pots and pans in the kitchen. And this, oh, this is a relationship. So this is how we do relationship with, you know, different different um, modalities that we, uh, pathways back to ourselves, pathways of, of expression come from our parents, uh, our, our carers, and also come perhaps from another lifetime that you came here onto this earth to heal. So if we're using breath work and we're using our ancestors, we're literally calling them forth in the breath work and we're doing our work here on the 3D world of tapping into our childhood messages and doing the work of the shadow work 
I carry anger because of this. I carry shame because of these stories and these experiences. And if we can start to excavate the story, not to, because there's a lot of power in the story, not to keep living in the story, but use the power of the story as like an alchemizing, take the wound and, and literally alchemize it to the wisdom and do that through breath work and through group work and through individual coaching. So, and watch this woman go on her own hero's journey, heroine's journey, when she's ready to come into, into a field like mine, where she's saying, there's something in my life that isn't working and I, I'm not sure why. I think I'm, I've got some parts of it, but I've not got all parts of it. Can you help me? Because I've got a vision here. I've got a North Star that I really want to bring into my life. And I don't want to necessarily have the same thoughts and behaviors and patterns that my parents had. And so in a nugget, it's, it's allowing the one that has the seed inside that the phrase, the book stops here. If that's a being on this planet, then they tend to find, I find the women on this earth that have the seed who the book stops here and stop the ancestral wounding from moving into our next generations, but take the wisdom and find the ancient gifts and medicines that are also deeply buried inside of those wounds. So not only do we alchemize the wound to wisdom, we find the absolute gifts of why we want to bring those gifts and medicines on this earth through woman and through the divine feminine. It's beautiful. So we have to wrap this up. Where can everyone find you, find out more about you, get on your list or learn about your programs? Thank you. They can find me on the web, sandsimes.com. And I, you know, sandsimes.com. And we have two beautiful programs that where the doors are open, Radical Visionary, which is a 12-month mastermind program um, for leaders. Uh, you, you know, if you're a woman that is a leader in her own community, in an organization, then that might be something that would interest one of our sisters that are listening today. And the other one is the Sovereignty Blueprint, which is more of the, the sovereign is the queen of our own domain. So it's the one who really does want to move through and find that ancestral trauma and, and alchemize the trauma, the, the wisdom into, and that's a 16 week program with me. And both those doors are open. And we have a gift for all your community members, Penny. So if they come online, I think we've sent it. I think you'll be sending something out or on your platform, Penny, that um, we've got a gift for your, your sisters there that they can download our manifestation. So if you, if a sister's really going, oh my gosh, I've got a gift, I've got a vision, I have a mission, or I'm not sure what it is and I'm not sure how to manifest, we've got a download of uh, how to manifest your vision and your gifts in this world. And that's a gift to all your community members. Well, I will go ahead and say thank you for everyone because I know that they will appreciate that. And I appreciate you uh, being a guest and so candidly, sharing your story, because I do know there are people that will find that interesting of how your gifts reawakened to you. I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but yes, that's going to resonate with people. So thank you very much for being on sand. Uh, For all of you listening, all of the links will be in the show notes. And I really encourage you to learn more about sand because uh, her perspective her gifts or something that are very much complementary to the other things that you're doing. 
Uh, it's always been my philosophy that there is not any one one size fits all solution or approach to everything. We have to be curious and go out and seek what it is that's going to help us to clear our past so that we can be in the present as we move into the future. So I will be back with all of you next week. Until then, bye now. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Design Your Destiny, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. When you leave a positive review, it's like podcast currency, and we can increase our reach and get the message to even more people that they, just like you, have the ability to design their destiny. And remember, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.